87% of IT decision makers stated that security outranks costs as the primary reason for Oracle migration hesitation. And that's significant because when we're talking to customers, it tends to be the more blocking and tackling of, is it my licensing, the cost to migrate of going from a, a CapEx to an OpEx model? Clearly, this is still sitting at the top of their minds of, are my applications, you remember the heart and runners of this organization, are they going to be secure once I get them out to the cloud and how do I keep them running securely? Welcome to Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Today, I have the privilege of being joined in the studio by two subject matter experts from Apps Associates. Uh, let me introduce them individually. Uh, firstly, uh, Paul Vian, who's the Senior Vice President for Sales. Paul, great to have you here. Thanks for making time to join me on the show. Thanks for having me, Des. Good to be here. Absolute pleasure. We're also joined by Bill Saltis. Now, Bill's the Senior Vice President for uh, Alliances. Uh, Bill, thanks for making time to join us. Great to have you on the show. Thanks, Des. Likewise. I was looking forward to having this conversation around some research uh, you've done, uh, and particularly a survey where you polled something like 300-odd IT professionals who were in a position uh, to influence uh, decision-making uh, around uh, the use of Oracle, and particularly for their primary business applications. And uh, you, you get some amazing data from this and some, some fantastic insights. So I thought we would... Uh, just delve into what you gleaned from this and uh, what people can expect from the actual research. Paul, I wonder if we can start off with you. Uh, maybe just a little background on what drove uh, the original survey and, uh, uh, and I guess, uh, the approach and methodology behind this. Uh, give us a little 30,000-foot view of the survey itself and what brought you to do it in the first place. Certainly, does. So we've been hearing from customers that post-migration, they were still experiencing challenges around maximizing their investment in the applications, specifically the Oracle applications, how to actually optimize those environments uh, for those applications once they've gone to the cloud, and then just fully comprehending new features, functionality as they were being released. And Apps Associates have been helping customers optimize in the cloud for many years. We've been helping customers move to various different cloud platforms, such as software as a service, uh, public clouds like AWS and, and indeed, you know, sort of private clouds and still customers that are taking that journey from on-premise. So we wanted to take a step back and hear more about these challenges from the IT decision makers. And as you just suggested, the survey polled 300 IT decision makers, and all of those IT decision makers are using Oracle applications. And the organizations are somewhere in the region of $100 million to $5 billion of annual revenue. And 73% of the people that were surveyed here stated that they are the main IT decision makers in their company. The 300, uh, maybe just a, a little insight into kind of how you went about uh, the selection criteria and, and, and approaching those particular 300 as opposed to uh, any other uh, uh, community of, of, of decision makers around you know, enterprise uh, platforms. Yeah, that's a good question. Yeah. So for, for Apps Associates, yeah, looking at those organizations that are making the investment in Oracle, I, I called out the, the revenue numbers there. You know, that, that's typical. Of course, it could be a little bit smaller. It could be a little bit larger. But the reason we focused out the survey within that region, if you will, of IT decision makers and that banding of, of revenue, was they're typically the organizations that are investing into enterprise software like Oracle. And they are really the heartbeat of the survey for us because they're the people that will tell us exactly which direction that they wish to go in, in terms of moving those Oracle applications, and then some of the challenges that they're finding. 
when we think about Oracle as a platform, historically it's been on very dedicated hardware for performance. It's been on, uh, you know, uh, secure enclaves for, for, for just management and uh, security itself. When we think about uh, as a platform, uh, there seems to be an, an increasing demand and trend to, to put it into uh, public clouds. Uh, and particularly the likes of AWS, and, and, and you've had a couple of decades of, of being in the space. What were some of the main findings from this particular report? I mean, I noticed, uh, for example, uh, in some of the data that showed that the, there was a desire for more business intelligence and reporting and, and support around that than I had originally expected. That's correct. Actually, that was a significant chunk of the findings. Um, yeah, and it's really backing up what we're hearing from our customers today. So, a staggering 94% of those Oracle IT decision makers haven't yet maximized their applications in the cloud. So they're, you know, they're left wondering, hey, we've moved them to the cloud, but now what do, we, what do we do next? How do we get the best out of these applications? And you know, I think there's multiple reasons behind this and empowering the organization with more accurate reporting, analytics, and diagnostics intelligence seems to be the most promising solve as we look towards the new decade. And we're really at the tip of the iceberg with uh, BI and, and analytics. You know, there's, there's so much data that's being produced now uh, throughout the business. It's then what, what, what does a, an enterprise do with it and intelligently use it to fuel innovation and growth? And, you know, these IT decision makers, they're, they're aware that there's high quality data and it's effective use. But that's the big challenge, how to process that data efficiently um, and get the output to the business. So scaling operations accordingly, you know, that requires obviously analytics and diagnostics tools that gives you really a holistic view of the IT environment. And then successfully, and this is the important part, translate it back into the business, as I mentioned, to help fuel innovation and growth. We actually got further insight into this. So CIOs and other IT decision makers are under more pressure to maximize the investment into cloud computing and then to demonstrate the value of that cloud back to the business. Um, and of course, diagnostics and business intelligence are key for that. Uh, the data also showed us that 44% of the IT decision makers say that analyzing and reporting on business intelligence and analytics data is one of the technology team's greatest challenges. And we also noted that both IT decision makers and business leaders are demanding enhanced capabilities for this as we get into the new decade. And when asked what innovation IT decision makers want to see from Oracle in the next year, we're seeing more and more automation and analysis of real-time business intelligence and analytics was by far the most popular answer. When we think about large Oracle environments, uh, and they often be one of these environments where we build them, we stabilize them, we tend not to try and change too much and we, we get the maximum value and ROI out of them. But is it the case that you're seeing now that the, the decision makers you're talking to uh, are moving to the cloud for all the benefits, like not just in cost and performance, but also the flexibility and the agility that they can now adopt a more agile DevOps CI, CD sort of continuous improvement, continuous development approach they might have in other parts of their organization uh, with their Oracle environments and they're leveraging the cloud not just for the cost savings of their core production systems and not even just for the, the backup DR environments, but for the development and test and integration and training and, and compliance and reporting and logging platforms where they can stand up and develop an environment with a copy of their production system and, and crash and burn it and test something without impacting production? That's correct, Des. Yeah, I mean, for, for those organizations that have already moved these applications to the cloud, 
they're starting to realize the benefits. And, and the, the conversations, if we start it right back at the beginning, is, well, you know, I'm, I'm running an ERP here. You know, this is the heart and lungs of the operation. I don't see this as a cloud-native application or one that's elastic by nature. So why do I need to put it in the cloud? Uh, for example, let's just, just pick a public cloud for now where we all know the benefits of public cloud of being able to scale and being elastic and turn things up and down. But even within those ERP environments, you've still got UAT, you've still got um, uh, DR, for example, and you no longer have to uh, invest in hardware that just sits in the data center and runs even when you don't need to run UAT and, and DR. So you can spin those environments up and down as you need to, to to run those particular tests for the organization. So certainly getting into the cloud, then having some of that flexibility, even though the ERP production may be a little more static than, than a sort of elastic application, and then really getting out and experiencing innovation throughout the rest of, of cloud as well as important to these enterprises, Des. Indeed. I, I know from my own experience over the last uh, sort of 35-odd years uh, in this world, just the running cost of having a development environment, a training environment, an integration environment, a, even a test environment for security, then a training environment, the costs just build up so much. And sometimes you might only run four training sessions with changes a year. You've got to keep a whole copy running all this time. Bill, I'd like to, to get your take on this from the managed service provider point of view, uh, particularly uh, in your role um, with alliances. How are managed service providers uh, responding to this whole pivot, uh, and particularly some of the security challenges? What are you finding from an MSP point of view with regard to the data you're seeing? Well, there's a couple of things. One is, as Paul uh, opened up with, what what we're finding from our customers and the survey had underscored is that MSPs must be cloud-native and cloud-ready. What what does that mean for all the reasons we talked about earlier uh, with agility, flexibility, also comes automation and the built-in cloud-native uh, ability to use APIs and microservices and so forth to provide um, the insight into your environment. She then extended into other areas like AI and machine learning down the road for predictive and extrapolation of the data, which is what the Oracle customers are screaming for, right? If they're going to move out of their data center and they're going to move into the cloud, if it's SaaS, then how do I optimize that and understand what what that environment is? Are there gaps? Are there better ways I can be using those applications and those workloads? If I've gone to infrastructure as a service, like on uh, as we've done with many of our customers to AWS, then how do I take advantage of the innovation and the environment that AWS provides and now automate all of that? So that's the first thing. And then, as you mentioned, security. So we do get – that's the number one question that comes up, and it came out again in the survey that most of the customers are, as you would imagine, uh, this is the heart and lungs, as Paul called it, of the organization, their ERPs, this has been the last vestige of what they want to touch to bring over to the cloud, right? Um, so the response is, what about security, the complexity of security, complexity of updates or security? Uh, interestingly, I, I flipped that around, and we, as we talked to our customers, we're finding that security can actually, from an MSP point of view, be greatly enhanced, again, using cloud-native in a couple of ways. One is, 
from a ground-up approach to security, the new cloud providers have built-in security within the platforms. Secondly is the tools and the enablement that the ISBs have provided with that, and then the MSP on top provides much more robust security than we had when we kind of piecemeal things with layers uh, on premise. So all of that has, has changed the way MSPs are looked at uh, and how they need to provide for their customers. One of the things that struck me reading this uh, report was that, uh, and, and it seems to be the case uh, that it's a trend globally now, is that you've got organizations who uh, historically might have had their own specific uh, silos of capability and security or database environments or ERP management, uh, they're now learning that they can lean to managed service providers and leverage their capabilities and they can bank on the, the cloud providers having thousands of security people in their teams as opposed to the large enterprise world maybe at most affording a dozen. And they can essentially refocus on their core business. So an airline can focus on being an airline rather than an IT shop that happens to manage uh, running flights. And a bank can focus on being a bank as opposed to an IT shop that happens to have ATMs and credit cards. Is this something that you're seeing from the data now that organizations are able to refocus on their core business and lean to managed service providers to help them do the migrations such as yourselves, leverage the core strengths that you bring to the table, and, and just go back to doing what their core business is as opposed to trying to be a security company, an IT company, and a database company, and their core business? Yeah, I think that's the eureka moment that has come out. This is what uh, has been professed for the longest time, but the new operate and run challenge for cloud-hosted or cloud-native solutions is, aha, you know, we finally don't have two people on our staff that know security or CISO, the CISO office, that's limited by skills and capabilities um, in, in a dimensional way. But now we have uh, leverage, right, that's way beyond what we had. And we can actually get into servicing our customers better, focusing on our business. Uh, that is uh, definitely a key benefit coming out of the uh, transformation and the cloud journey. When you go through the data you've managed to compile here, what is this data from the Oracle customers telling you about the current status of cloud migration as a whole? Well, first of all, let's step back, Des. I think, uh, you know, Oracle customers, and when we define Oracle customers with those large footprints, right, of applications, databases, and in all Oracle technology, it can be a large corner of the data center that with a, a significant amount of investment. What we're seeing is in the last um, one to two years that that motion has begun in an accelerated way. The data is telling us, and this is supported by our customers, that a third have already migrated either all of their applications or a good portion of their applications to the cloud, again, in various forms, SaaS or infrastructure as a service, to a lift and shift. But they are also three out of, out of five, or almost 57%, are in the process of migrating. So they're in, it's a work in progress, right? And that's very true from what we're seeing from our customers. How do I do it? I've got to do it carefully. I've got to do it slowly. And I've got to do it so that there's no town time and that I can get to where I need to go. Uh, so we're seeing that. But as they get there, does 
then the uh, issues that Paul highlighted earlier in the, is that post-migration agenda, if you will, kicks in of that operate and run and things like cost containment, cost optimization, consumption, management of the gaps versus the functionality in the, in the software, all of that starts to come to the bubble up to the service and it's like, now I need optimization, now I need insight, and that's where the MSPs come in, that's where the, the companies are starting to have post-migration and what they're screening for in this uh, survey data. Bill, what are you seeing as being the top obstacles that are preventing IT decision makers from maximizing their applications, particularly in the context of the cloud? Well, there's three things, uh, especially for Oracle uh, customers. Security, that's for, you know, that's across the board, whether they're Oracle or not. Security, uh, cost control or cost management, cost containment uh, in licensing, those three. So if I were to touch upon the first, uh, a couple of them, um, security is the number one uh, for every survey uh, that we uh, see as a reason for holding them back. Um, licensing for Oracle customers, nearly 80% of the customers uh, from the research said that they believe their move to the cloud will result in an Oracle audit. Um, you know, that it puts them in unfavorable risk conditions or could put them in unfavorable. So they need to understand that. And thirdly, uh, you know, cost, uh, ability to control that cost, nearly a third are worried about how they get, you know, their arms around that with things like uh, release management and so forth. One of the interesting things that struck me was that in the order of uh, things that were impacting uh, technology teams, uh, your data showed that uh, almost nobody said they had no challenges. Uh, the next sort of uh, on the rung was uh, employee turnover, and it went through to things like managing the relationship with Oracle and supporting business growth and expansion. But the two that really jumped out at me uh, was that, uh, as Paul alluded to before, Analyzing and reporting on the business intelligence and analytics was seen to be the largest one. But the second largest one was an interesting one for me, and, and it, it rang true to what I've had for decades of experience, and that is just addressing training and support internally for multiple tools uh, because of the types of changes. You mentioned also uh, licensing as a whole. I mean, this, this is a, a pivotal reason for going to the cloud in some cases. What can you tell us about what you learned from the Oracle users and particularly with licensing when I think the data showed, uh, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there was a statistic you found that something like 80% believed that an Oracle audit was likely. This must be something that you're hearing from customers across the board, but particularly in the survey you've just completed. Yes, we have heard it from our customers and, and new customers who are looking to go to cloud for some time, particularly as we look at something like a move from, from an Oracle on-premise environment or a Colo facility. Now I'm going to move it to public cloud. In our case, we're moving something like 160 to 170 uh, migrations of Oracle workload, significant Oracle workload over to AWS. Uh, the first question each time invariably is, Will my license be portable into that environment? Will it be supported? Well, first of all, we have to provide a background on, you know, that this uh, AWS is a cloud-authorized environment. But secondly, is the more important issue is 
how do you uh, stay compliant and minimize that risk? So that's that's always the question, whether you're on-premise then or if you're in the cloud. That's the part that uh, people are a little hazy about. So it's a matter of, of understanding your position around the software, around what you're entitled to and how you manage that. I was interested to see that one of the myths that you dispelled uh, quite clearly uh, in your report from this recent poll was that there was a perception that uh, licensing challenges uh, in, in cloud, in particular AWS, may prompt an audit, uh, but you clearly dispelled that was not the case. I wonder if you can just allude to what you found there. Yeah, it, what we found was there's there's no higher likelihood of being audited by moving from on-premise to a cloud environment as if, or if you stay within Oracle and on-premise. It's the same exact result. There's no increase. Secondly is it's more of, again, a matter of understanding what your contract says, what you're entitled to uh, provide under that contract, and are you compliant with it before you go? And then can you manage it after you go, which ties back into this all all this post-migration optimization uh, in analytics and in diagnostics. So we've actually built for one of our customers and we're rolling it into some of the automation that we roll out with our under our MSP is a way to manage those licenses and, and uh, detect um, your licenses so that customers can know that they're in compliance as they go forward. And that provides uh, great relief, of course. Uh, indeed. No, it's uh, probably something that's been keeping people up for, for late at night for some time. Paul, one of the things I also noticed from the research was that this whole role of a managed service provider is changing. And, and I, I guess there's, there's no surprise that there's a change there. But I wonder if you can touch on some of the key areas that you found that were changing more than others uh, in this whole space of, of what MSPs are, are in the business of doing in this particular context. Certainly does. We're definitely seeing a shift, and I think quite rightly, as as enterprises mature and um, companies are really focusing on growth. If I think about the traditional managed services provider, it's really just filling hours. It's providing, uh, or has been traditionally providing, a, a break fix model. Um, but there's that's very much in a reactive mode, as opposed to acting as a more of a strategic partner. And as we mentioned before, you know, companies now, what they want is they want people to, to help. Sure, you've got to keep the lights on, but you want your staff to be focusing in on how to get to that next chapter of growth. What is the next product we need to launch, for example, rather than just keeping those lights on? So, you know, we, we've seen anxiety from customers as they come out and say, well, look, we, 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 we're not sure whether you guys can help us get to where we need to get to, whether our staff should be doing it or whether it should be um, a managed services provider, for example. And we've seen issues arise from this. Um, some of these have been mentioned, but yes, staff turnover uh, because they're really not focusing on, on the growth of the business. They're keeping the lights on. Um, they're inefficient investments, reduction in staff productivity, uh, and then just a suboptimal total cost of ownership, and uh, and as I mentioned, that yeah, losing a complete focus on innovation and, and growth, um, and that's really now. If I think about uh, an MSP coming into the business, providing diagnostics, 
to the business to say, hey, this is where your ERP is today, but this, this is what you need to be doing. Think about all the different types of release management that come out and educating the business users on how to get the most uh, optimization out of that software. Um, and you know, when we, when we continued through the survey, we talked to IT decision makers who confirmed that their company had never worked with an MSP um, and were more like, and we found out that they were more likely to report staffing problems. So seven out of 10 reporting that their IT team was either not fully staffed or had experienced staffing issues. Uh, we saw that in comparison, enterprises that had used a managed services provider, only two out of 10 reported staffing challenges, which is a significant swing. And then MSPs can also support integration and avoid problematic data silos. Uh, and that's obviously critical when you talk about a multi-cloud environment where that company is on the sort of stepping stone journey to get out to, to the various different clouds. Indeed. And I imagine that uh, from reading this report and the data you got, uh, I mean, there's a constant challenge of the cloud sprawl, as we refer to it. And, and CIOs are constantly uh, under, under the pump to, uh, to prove out their return on investment across any IT spend, particularly cloud. I imagine that, that MSPs play a significant role now in this whole challenge of ensuring that cloud sprawl isn't a problem. And that, you know, as an organization, MSPs have the ability with resourcing and skills and tools, and particularly diagnostic tools, to report on the current state and help either engineer changes or uh, redesign the usage models or, or, or pricing models to get to the point where a CIO's role is, is so much easier, uh, providing not just an ROI, but gaining better benefit from what they're doing in the cloud platform in the first place. That's correct. And in fact, we're, we're often asked that question post-migration. Uh, you know, how, how can you guarantee that cloud sprawl isn't going to happen, even, even though these aren't necessarily elastic applications? They still want to know that there's some level of guarantee because I think they've seen that, Des, in those applications that do suddenly grow. It's great for the business, but all of a sudden then you've got this unprecedented cloud spend that nobody was budgeting for. So when, when we go in, we're asked, hey, how can you help prove this out? So we'll run diagnostics, we'll use IP that we have internally to go in and say, well, look, this is your environment today. This is the hardware that you're sitting on. This is what it looks like when it gets out to the cloud. And then these are the optimizations that we can make once you get into the cloud. And that gives that, that enterprise, a, you know, both on the IT decision maker, but then the people, that the CFO, the CIO that are approving the, the bills, some level of comfort that they know what day two and day three is going to look like for the organization and the spend. There was a line I made a note of earlier uh, where uh, when, when Apps Associates described, uh, self-described almost as a, a company of both cloud adoption and business transformation. So what you're talking to there in many ways is sort of that, as you said, you know, once you've got your environment up in the cloud and it's running and stable and secure, you have this ability to, to perform business transformation around the way you're using the types of services in the cloud and the, the, the way you're leveraging it and, 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 and some of the performance on one side versus cost on the other and business benefit. With that in mind, I mean, what, what are some of the most common things that, that IT decision makers are now looking uh, to managed service providers for in, in this space to, once they're up and running, as you said, and, and, and they've got the migration completed and things are stable and secure, what are some of the things they come to you looking for saying, well, okay, now now how can we do things better, leaner, keener, and, and, and particularly from a business transformation point of view? Yeah, that's a good question. So, yeah, there's several several different items now. As you remember, we talked about that shift from from just 
just filling in hours and, and running the break fix model to actually empowering the, the enterprise. So security, yeah, that kept, that rang true throughout the survey that we did. They're, they're looking for an improvement on how, how can we enable and then ongoing manage the enterprise security, negotiating more favorable contract terms. So we see this both at the application side, as Bill mentioned, around the licensing, but then also on the cloud infrastructure. Yeah, part of the the MSP offering that we have is once you're in the cloud, how can I then optimize and reduce infrastructure costs? So, so that's that's part of, uh, of of us being an MSP and what customers are asking from from Apps Associates. Obviously, we've talked about the focusing on key business initiatives, and then just simplifying the complexity of managing multi-cloud environments. So we, we see customers that are running some of their applications in infrastructure as a service, but in other areas where they don't have customizations on those applications, they've gone straight out into more of a SaaS environment. But you've still got to manage multiple cloud environments plus the integrations that run, run in between those. You must have companies coming to you as well looking for that professional services uh, support at the front end around just compliance and governance, because when we think about some of the deployments you're 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 uh, working with, I mean these are very large, broad scale, uh, sometimes long running businesses who who are global. They're in multiple regions, multiple countries. They've got state or federal compliance and regulatory requirements in some cases. They've got regional compliance like GDPR and so forth. Is it the case that when, when organizations look to you for this kind of support, not just in security and basic compliance, such as, say, you know, the, the Oracle licensing and so forth, at the other end of the spectrum is part of the security challenge, data protection, data sovereignty, uh, and, and overall compliance with things like GDPR must be another big thing they come to you for in that it's not necessarily something they're good at themselves, they probably don't have the resources internally for, uh, but it's, it's something they want to avoid uh, breaching because it'll end up in the front page of a newspaper somewhere. That's correct. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting subject because what we're finding there's still there's still that hesitation of can my managed services provider, can my cloud infrastructure provider do a better job around security than I can? And I think Des, it's really the the answer is twofold. Of course, you have to have those checks and balances internally that that matches to your business, depending on which vertical you're in and, and which customers that you're serving. Uh, but I think you alluded to this earlier with one of the questions. Think about the scale, the velocity of the security teams that sit within uh, these cloud infrastructure providers and also within the MSPs that are focusing in specifically around the security aspects of those applications, the security aspects of the infrastructure. And I, I really generally don't think that enterprises can, A, stay ahead of that game, and B, should they really be making that investment in those areas, knowing in the other areas they've got to focus in around specifically to do with their business and the vertical and their customers that they're serving? So it's a, really a combination of both. I think it's where we've seen challenges is where the enterprise tries to take all of those under one roof and tries to be efficient and stay ahead of that game. Then again, they're taking their eye off of innovation and growth for the business. 
Bill, in large organisations, we find there's a high turnover of staff just due to the workload and the stress they're under. And I imagine that uh, from the data I'm seeing here that one of the challenges uh, is almost a HR problem that you can alleviate a lot of the pain that comes with some of these big big projects where they can, again, focus on their core business and the teams aren't having to juggle both day-to-day operational challenges and a whole new technology stack of moving to the cloud and some of the challenges that come with that. They can look to you for some of the problem solving and some of the challenges they may not necessarily have in-house. Yes, absolutely does. Uh, I think um, we have seen that shift, if you will, part of the cloud uh, and the digital transformation that the companies are going through. Um, as you pointed out earlier, and rightfully so, uh, customers are realizing that that shift to cloud allows them to focus on their core business. And the more their IT staff can focus on what they're doing to make themselves ready for the new world, the new cloud world for their customers, um, and then uh, allow the providers, both those uh, cloud service providers, uh, whether it be Oracle or AWS or, you know, across the spectrum of the stack, uh, let them do what they need to do and then have an MSP like uh, like Apps Associates who worries about the post-migration and the optimization. That means um, if you step back, companies don't have to acquire the tools they don't have to have the skills for healing that part of the environment where they can just worry about the uh, applications at the top and uh, their customer facing. It's really uh, that those are the companies that are making the fastest uh, move to the cloud and accelerating their uh, ROI. Paul, you mentioned a number of interesting statistics around security. Um, I wonder if you can dive into a bit more detail around what you gleaned from this particular uh, piece of research and, and the survey that you ran. Uh, reading through this, there were some fairly astounding large numbers around some of the challenges that organizations are facing with regard to security. I wonder if you can dive into a bit more of the detail of what you found uh, as you looked into this. Yeah, certainly. So uh, we, this isn't the first ebook that we did. We did one earlier in, in the year, and security came out of that one again. That was all around migration to the cloud, but that topped the number one concern from those IT decision makers. And here we are again, right at the end of the year, and uh, and it's sitting right right up there as one of the biggest challenges. So, um, what did we find? Eighty seven percent of IT decision makers stated that security outranks costs as the primary reason for Oracle migration hesitation, um, and that's significant because when you know when we're talking to customers, it tends to be the more blocking and tackling of, is it my licensing? Uh, you know, is it is it just purely the the cost to migrate of going from a, a capex to an opex model, whatever it might be, but. Clearly, this is still sitting at the top of their minds of, are my applications, you remember the heart and lungs of this organization, are they going to be secure once I get them out to the cloud, and how do I keep them running securely? Um, And then enterprises, as as I mentioned earlier, they're still debating whether they can deal with that security more efficiently in-house with their own resources versus using a a managed services provider, for example, Um, or can I rely on the security that that a, a public cloud provider uh, or a SaaS provider would, would bring with it. So we also noted that um, the most popular answer and frequently voiced challenge was that almost 50% or half of the IT decision maker respondents indicated that security update complexity 
um, is really the, the main factor that keeps them from, from getting the maximum value from those Oracle applications. So that's the, the ongoing um, updates of those applications, understanding what those updates are and understanding how they impact the business. And again, that's really where they need to look at an MSP to, to provide that value. I imagine uh, across the board you're now seeing uh, as Apps Associates organizations from the boardroom down are now coming to you as early as possible to, to look at what you're learning from the market and the industry as a whole so they can essentially avoid pitfalls that others may have, uh, have experienced. Uh, um, are you now seeing the, the breadth of this IT decision making uh, uh, broaden from just the typical sort of CIO office to sort of more board level dis- discussion where at the board they've got sort of standing items on their agenda to talk about where security fits in operationally, but also you know, how, how they're going to accommodate uh, a greater and greater cl- investment in cloud? Yes, I would say this is very much peer driven. It's, a, it's coming from the executive level. Um, it certainly is sort of got its tentacles in, in at the board level because, again, we're, we're talking about enterprise-level applications that can create a significant risk to the organization if they're not managed and handled correctly. So part of that journey that we see time and time again is it, it, it's, as I said, peer-driven where one customer is talking to another to get examples of how they've done it, um, learning from those challenges, learning from those pitfalls, and then figuring out how best to optimize once they've moved through. So yeah, when the CIO and the IT decision makers are, are going back to the board or going back to the executive management team, all of the things that we, we talked about, um, productivity, total cost of ownership, um, you know, driving innovation and efficiencies within the business, all of those areas, they have to be proven before the customer makes that move and before that they, yeah, they actually do that final migration into the cloud. That's really key, Des. When we think about a managed service provider as an organization, you, you're dealing with a number of very large uh, clients. You're dealing with very complex and, and deeply integrated environments. As you said, the heart and lungs of the organization um, it, it must be the case that organizations coming to you with greater and greater trust uh, and, and, a, and I guess an assumption of trust in that, uh, you know, you're not learning on the job. This is not the first time you've done these, these, these types of projects at, at this scale and they can now effectively sleep better at night knowing that you've, you've written the book on this, if you'll pardon the pun in the context of this discussion, uh, such that they, they are now not taking a risk by putting a managed service provider in place to do this for them. This is something you've done for decades. Uh, you, you've documented, you've written books about it and they they can now go back and focus to their core business. Are you seeing a, a more and more comfortable conversation now with organizations coming to you, particularly for security, uh, Paul, where they're, they're sort of talking to you, not as if this is a maybe we should go down this route, but we are definitely going down this route and we're looking to you to help us avoid those pitfalls? Certainly seeing a shift, Des. Um, I, I would say that the tipping point is not quite there yet, that there is still uh, a lot of question marks and a lot of anxiety around how, you know, how do we do this? How do we keep it secure? Uh, and then how do we make sure that the ongoing running of these environments is going to be suitable for, for the enterprise and, and users are going, are going to be happy? There is a lot of education and there's a lot of consultancy that goes on with this. Uh, but, but the good news is it's happening. Um, we try to be agnostic in that, you know, whether the, the, the client is looking at a, a SaaS model and they no, long, no longer want to deal with infrastructure as a service or the opposite. They're not ready to get there yet due to many, many customizations and, and they want to stay on 
or move into a public cloud, all, all of those areas still require some, some TLC, if you will, um, to help educate the customer that this is how you can do it. But we are seeing momentum, which is the good news. Indeed. I think, if anything, it gives me great confidence that both of those things you just mentioned, that people are, are, are approaching this with caution for good reason, but at the same time that there's an increased level of, I guess, willingness to trust uh, uh, companies like yourselves who have been here before, who've done it before and are not just learning on the job. I think we see a, you know, we see a number of big breach incidents or, or big outages where organisations may not have, have been down this route before and in and, and many ways, quote-unquote, looking to learn on the job. I think one of the things that I'm, I'm gleaning from reading your uh, research here and particularly the report coming from the ebook, is that you've clearly documented that you know the space well, you've been in it for a long time, but now you're running this conversation through these these surveys where you're looking, as you said, to educate the market as to what is is, is the way to go, the appropriate decisions to make. So I think to me, it, it, it comes to me as good news that they're taking a steady eddy approach because I, I, I'd be slightly concerned if they're all going uh, feet first into the deep end of the pool and and, and not knowing what's in there. Bill, I wonder from the data you've seen here, um, this this gives you an amazing lens to look beyond uh, sort of you know 2019 as we are now. We're about to enter 2020. If we were to look towards 2020, I mean, the data that you've gleaned just from this, and, and I guess broadly in the conversations you had in the, in this survey and polling 300 odd uh, IT decision makers, um, what can we expect from the whole space of cloud transformation over the next decade or so? Well, uh, forecasting and predictions, uh, looking in that crystal ball is always a, um, a risky business in itself. But I think the answer is by looking at what the data in front of us and the symptoms and risks that the companies have to deal with. Um, in, the, in the major ones we've discussed earlier in this, in this call, right, uh, were around cost containment, uh, that uh, cost sprawl, as we discussed, right? uh, security, uh, license compliance, and then just suboptimal use of their of their applications as they move to the cloud. And those are the things that uh, that are being looked at cautiously in how do we handle that going forward. And if we take and we tackle each one of those uh, as we have been doing, then I think the future is indicative of the solutions that address each one of those. And, and they're all done by integrating cloud-native services at the public cloud layer or the infrastructure layer, and then diagnostics and optimization of your applications at the functional layer. Uh, for Oracle users. Uh, so automation, diagnostics, analytics, uh, embedded AI, machine learning, interpretation, and extrapolation of data, both at a predictive level as just a raw dealing with access and, and use of that data. That's where we're headed. That's the future. And uh, certainly from an MSP point of view, uh, without leaning forward on that, on automation and diagnostics and those sorts of things, as the data is clearly telling us uh, people are looking for, um, then that then that uh, will not allow you to transform. And so that's where everyone is headed. Uh, and if you're not doing it, um, that's something you should uh, consider doing um, as you move forward. 
Indeed, I think there's a famous line, I forget who used it, but it was one of those things where that uh, they said something to the effect that uh, organisations who adopt a technology early invariably get such a lead over their competitors that their competitors may never catch up. Well, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure to uh, to catch up with you both, and thank you so much for making time to catch up with me and, and join me on the show. I've really enjoyed uh, gleaning the insights uh, that you've been able to share here and have absolutely loved reading this uh, uh, data you've published uh, in the ebook. And uh, for listeners who uh, haven't yet had the opportunity, uh, please do make a note to uh, visit Apps Associates' website uh, or, or follow them on various social media platforms, be it uh, LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever your favorite platform is, uh, and look for uh, it's titled Advanced Guide for Oracle Application Management, uh, 2020 Optimization Trends and Recommendations. Um, it's, uh, it's a must-read, and I recommend that not only do you get your hands on copy, but share it within your teams. Uh, and uh, by all means, I'm sure uh, uh, connect with uh, Paul Vienne and uh, Bill Saltis and uh, pose your curly, tricky questions at them both. I know there's an amazing conversation going online there. And as Bill just uh, alluded to, this is a conversation that's happening whether you join it or not. Um, gentlemen, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, hopefully I have the pleasure of having you on this show again soon. Thank you. Appreciate, appreciate it. Have a fantastic day. And, uh, folks, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next Conversations with Des. I'm your host, Des Blanchfield. Have a great day, evening, or whatever it might be, and we'll see you again soon.